Okay. Morning, everybody. Um, if you don't know me, my name is James. I am a member here at King's. I'm married to Marianne, and we've got a nice little nine-month-old son, David. He's very cute. You might see him roam around. Quite keen on him. Um, so, uh, if you don't know me, I, in my day job, I'm a teacher. And so I'm kind of primary teacher, so I'm trained not to talk for too long without hearing a bit of feedback. So I'm going to ask a few, be asking a few questions today, and they won't be rhetorical, okay? So you're not just sitting there thinking, yes, is nice. You're going to have to answer. So be willing to give an answer, not, not to me, but to the person next to you. So be on the ball. If you're someone who's prone to zone out a little bit in preachers, you're going to have to listen because you're going to have to answer some questions. Um, so I'll just kick off with a question for you. Just let's have hands up. Who has to do chores around their house? Who has to do chores around the house? Okay. Now, we don't really like chores. It's in the name. So just for, a, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to chat to somebody next to you. So it could be someone in your household or someone you don't know. What is your least favorite chore to do in the house and why? Off you go. Who would like to share what their least favorite chore was and why. Now, if you're, if you're wanting to share but you're a bit shy and you're with an adult, you can ask the adult to give, you the, give the answer for you. So just hands up, anywhere, anybody. Chores. Johnny, what about you? Uh, stacking the dishwasher properly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a familiar one. Um, any other chores that people don't like? Least favorite chores? Esme? Hate the dusting because you have to keep doing it again and again. Any other ones? Someone from the balcony, maybe? Any chores you don't like? Visiting the in-laws. Visiting the in-laws? Ooh. I was more along the housework lines, but... Maybe have to deal with that one a bit later. Um, uh, okay, it's interesting that no one has said kind of what I thought would be the primary, primary reason for not wanting to do certain chores, and it's because they're a bit smelly. Um, I find taking out bins, things like that, washing up when you've left it in the sink for a couple of days, it's not great. So we're going to do a little game um, based around smells. We're going to do a smell guessing game. But because it's about chores, I warn you, these are not nice smells. Okay, so we're going to do a little guessing, guessing the smell. So if you've got a weak stomach, please do not volunteer. Um, but if you're feeling a bit bold, can have volunteers come up and guess, I need three volunteers to guess three mystery smells. Anybody? Anybody feeling brave? Yes, I've come. Thank you very much. Um, let's have a round of applause. It's very brave. Any more? Yep, up come. Great. Okay, one more. I said I was going to pick on Callum, so I'm picking on Callum. Okay, why don't you stand on the stage, just so that people kind of online can see you. Now, I've got three tubs here that I have been, um, let's say, cultivating over the week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of... Sorry? Well, don't be friends with me. That's the lesson. Um, so what I'm going to do is you're going to have to close your eyes, because otherwise you will see what's in the tubs. And if you take kind of not too deep a breath in through your nose, but like a, a gentle breath into your nose, and you're going to guess what they are. Now, I will just say, as a bit of a caveat, the one that I thought would smell the worst doesn't actually smell, I think is the least smelly. And the one that I thought would be least smelly is actually all right. It's actually awful. So... I'm going to go with A. Right, are you ready for this? 
You can maybe take, take your mask off. It seems a bit cruel. Okay. Gently taking this one. Oh. Okay, what do you think that might be? It smells like tuna. Tuna? Okay, okay. We'll come back and review that at the end. Uh, and I've got B. Right. Eyes closed. You might need quite a big whiff for this one. Can you spell anything? Oh. oh what do you reckon? Dog food. Dog food? <laughs> Alright. It's not what I've gone for. I think Callum, this is the worst, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. I'm going to hold it a bit further away. Okay. Can you get it? Mmm. Ah. Oh, wow, I can smell that too. That is... Um... Is it like rotting veg or something? <laughs> um, okay, I will put you out of your misery. A was very, very close. It wasn't tuna. It was some leftover fish. Well, some fish skins from earlier in the week. So, thank you. Well, guests, can we have a round of applause? <laughs> You're free. Okay, this was the one I thought would be the worst, and it's not. Now, I'm really sorry to say, this is one of David's used nappies. And it, it was quite thoroughly used, but um, somehow the smell didn't... I thought this would be the worst. I think, I think you got off lightly, so feel please. Let's have a round of applause. And finally, Callum, I'm not quite sure what you did deserve this. This was one of my socks that I took on a walk, and it got quite wet about a week and a half ago, and it's been fermenting on my windowsill ever since. So can we have an especially big round of applause for Callum? Um, now, you might be asking why I just made members of the congregation smell some hideous things. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, what sorts of jobs we have to do in building the kingdom of God, and what Nehemiah, the book that we're studying at the moment, tells us about that. Now, if you've not been here, if you've missed a few Sundays, the story of Nehemiah is about um, some exiles who were taken away from their home city, Jerusalem, and they returned to rebuild the city walls. Um, and lots of different families are given lots of different responsibilities for different parts of the wall. And this is where our stinky boxes come in to help us understand. So... In those days, the city wall was a big ring around the city. So a huge high wall, so that if invaders came, people from the city and from around the surrounding countryside could go and hide from the invaders inside the city. So with holes in that, you're not looking in a very safe place. Um, and so they went back. Lots of people returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And families, uh, like we've discussed in a few, a few weeks ago, that it's a family effort to rebuild these walls. There's a family who wanted, there's families that were put together and they were given different places to rebuild. Because you can't just say, right, off you go and fix the wall. They had to be proportioned out. And it's a bit like in Edinburgh. So you think, you know how in Edinburgh you've got places like the grass market and the hay market, where clearly one was a grass market, one was a hay market. You don't see much hay there anymore, but that's what it used to be there for. In Jerusalem, when they went back, the gates were named after what they were there for. So I'm going to go through the list of names, and as I do that, I'd like you to just, you can maybe close your eyes to help you imagine, but think about what image is in your head about when I say these names. Okay, so the first was the fountain gate. That sounds like quite a nice gate, you know? Nice cool running water, kind of glistening down, some sort of maybe nice statue. You know, that sounds pretty good. Then there was the valley gate, you know? 
depends on your experience of valleys, but valleys are usually quite nice, and maybe a little river running through them. Um, they're nice. There's, and the Watergate, where the water came, it's not a scandal in the 80s or 70s, it was where the water came into the city. So these are really nice images. Okay, they're really, really nice. Then we get slightly more generic named gates. So we have um, the old gate. So maybe if you're really into vintage stuff, that'd be quite a good one that you'd want to repair. Um, or the east gate. So if you like sunrises, you know, get up there early, watch the sunrise from the east gate. Um, and then it sort of goes a bit downhill. So you've got the horse gate. So you've got horses coming in and out of the city from there with all the messes that come with horses. Uh, then you've got the sheep gate. Now, I don't know if you've ever been really close to an actual sheep in real life, but they smell really, really greasy. And if you've been a walk for a walk out in the countryside, you'll know that they leave quite a lot of mess everywhere. And then it gets really bad. And this is where our boxes come in to help us. So there was another gate called, where are we? A, the fish gate. So this is where fish would have gone in and out of the city. Now, fishmongers can be a little bit smelly. We all know that. But they've got nice ice and they're very, kept very clean. There wasn't, they, weren't, they didn't have freezers back then. Okay, so in Jerusalem, the fish would have smelled powerfully. Now, my brother once worked in a fish farm. And let me just tell you, you didn't have to be in the same room as him. But when he came home from work, you could tell. The smell was there and you could the powerful kind of stench of fish. Um, so that's a slightly smellier gate. And then the final gate is called the dung gate. Now, if you've not been concentrating in your nature programs, dung translates to poo. So it's where all of the poo from all of the animals would have been taken out of the city and dumped, and it's also where all the rubbish went and was just put in a pile. They didn't have rubbish lorries, so it would, it would have smelt really, really bad. Now, just have a think about all those different gates. So fountain, valley, water, old east, sheep, horse, dung, and fish. Now, if you and your family or your small group or your work colleagues, if you had to fix one of those gates, just have a think about which one you'd like to choose. And I'm guessing there aren't going to be many, especially not Callum or Sam, who are going to be wanting to go for the fish or dung gates anytime soon. Um, but that's what happened. Somebody had to rebuild that section of the wall that was next to the rubbish tip. Some family was given that job. And their names are recalled in Nehemiah 3. Because it's no good building a city wall and no one wants to clean the bit that smells, to rebuild the bit that smells a bit. Because that's, no, that's not going to help anyone because the enemy will just come in through that gap. They're not going to be so fussy. Just saying, sorry, that, I was a bit smelly, I didn't want to do that. That's not going to fly when your city needs to be defended. And this is a mirror for us as we build the kingdom of God. We can't really decide not to do the things that we find a little bit unpleasant both in church community and in where we're called to in everyday life. And that's not always glamorous. And that's what we can see in Nehemiah 3. So without us being willing to get our hands dirty, we're left vulnerable to attack. So there's families that did this, and there were some that were willingly stood up and repaired the dung gates. And they're not away. Their names are remembered in the Bible. So they're written down, and for all time... Their names will now be remembered. So I can now tell you, if I work out where I've sat, written it down, I can't, but it was Melchie Jack and his family that rebuilt the Dungate. Now, they weren't sitting away, hammering away, thinking, right, this is a really rough job, this really smells, but you know what, I'm going to be in the Bible, so it's worth it. I don't think they knew that was what was going to happen. They just faithfully did the job that was in front of them, 
And God has honoured them by their names being in the Bible. And God remembers what you do, and God sees what you do. When you do something where you help, you help somebody or do a job that you really don't want to do, God sees that, and he's honoured by that. So, great, all right, you're saying, we should get our hands dirty for the kingdom of God. But what does that look like for us? What does that look like for you guys tomorrow? So it might be something at school. So if you've got someone in the playground who maybe people don't talk to very often, going over to them and trying to extend friendship to them. It might be, and I look at the students, but actually that's unfair, I think it's for everybody. It might be literally taking out the bins of your flat and just helping the people around you in that way and serving them in that way. It could be volunteering to help somebody move house when no one else has, and you kind of wanted to just sit down all, all of your Saturday afternoon. Building community in that way. It could be trying to get, go out of your way to give somebody a lift to church. All of these ways are things that you can do to build the kingdom of God in your life. To put in the hard work to show that God's plan is more important than whether or not you're comfortable. So I want you to have a bit of a think now, and I'm going to give you a bit of time what do you think is kind of the dung gate in your life? What's the bit, the smelly thing that you know you need to do, but you don't really want to do? What is it that you find difficult? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to just have a think, just on your own. What can you do that you think a bit, it's a bit uncomfortable, you'd rather not do, but you know that you should be doing for the kingdom of God? So I'm just going to give you 30 seconds for that. You just think quietly. Okay, that's your time up. Why don't you turn to somebody and share with them what do you think that thing that God was talking to you about was? What's that thing that you don't really want to do, or you find quite difficult, but you think you should do? Why don't you just turn to your neighbour and share? Don't worry, I'm not going to get you to share back up at the front in front of everybody, so just share it between the person next to you. I'd like you to, I think it'd be really good for you to pray and see if you could do that at some point this week for somebody, and just see what God does with it. Because we're encouraged to build, even when it's not glamorous. Now, I know this is quite hard. I'm just up here saying, come on, guys, you've got to get your hands dirty. But why should we do this? And you notice that I've talked about boxes A and B, but I've not talked about box C, which, although it didn't smell like it, was my socks. So why should, why should we get our hands dirty and build the kingdom of God? Well, the reason we do this is because Jesus did it for us. So in John 13, Josh wash, jo, Josh? <laughs> Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Now, this wasn't some sort of cute kind of symbolic thing. He was literally washing their feet. They would have been walking about in bare feet, in the dust, in the hot country, so it would have been sweaty. He'd have had to really get in there between the toes. You know, he'd have to do a lot of scrubbing. This was not a glamorous thing. This was Jesus' way of saying, this is how we should treat one another. Okay? And he washed all 22 feet, which is quite a lot. Jesus came from heaven, which is paradise, where he's served by angels, came to earth and washed feet. He leads by example. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. But he goes quite a lot further than that. Okay? He washes us clean from our sins as well. So remember the nappy from earlier that I think it was Sam smelt? You said it, what did you say it smelt like again? Dog food. Dog food. Don't worry, we do give David very good food, human food. <laughs> it's not a comment on his diet. But actually, David's nappies are reusable. So here we've got one of the clean ones. And actually, it's quite a nice thing. I'm happy to put my face in it and give it a sniff. Okay? And I would happily let anybody else do that, but I think I might have gone far enough. So, <laughs> this is what Jesus does for us. He takes our messiness, he takes the trouble that we've caused, and he washes us completely clean. 
And that's what's really great about baptisms today, what we're going to see down there. We are going to see a symbolic gesture to say, Jesus has washed us clean from our sins. And that's so exciting. And with David, my son, no matter how many times he makes a mess of his nappy, I'm always going to change him. Okay, I'm not going to leave him sat there in his mess. And God is like that with us. He washes us clean and he delights in cleansing us. And he will do it as many times as we need. So if you know Jesus and you know this love and you know this forgiveness, that's your reason for getting your hands dirty. Because the one you love and the one who loved you did it first. But if you don't know Jesus, if you think you've made a mess of things and no one wants to come near you and deal with you, then I'm delighted to tell you that you're wrong. Jesus will. But it's a little bit different to me changing David's nappy because David gets his nappy changed whether he wants to or not. Whereas Jesus will only wash us clean if we ask him to. But he will. If you ask him, I promise you he will. And if you'd like to make that step, you think, I'd actually like Jesus to um, wash me clean of my sins. If you see the baptisms and hear the stories, I'd really encourage you to talk to whoever you came to church with, or to myself, or to Karis, or to Dan at the end, and just say that you'd like to take that step. And we'd be really happy to pray it through with you. Because it's amazing. We get our hands dirty because Jesus got his hands dirty for us. And I'd like to encourage you to do that this week. And as we worship again, let's remember what God's done for us. Let's remember that he has completely washed us clean from our sins. And we are now white and clean and actually quite nice. Thanks.